Ephesians chapter 6. I do want to make mention of uh, that, about that time again of year to um, do Christmas joy bags. Uh, there's some flyers back there in the back uh, if you're interested in, um, in doing that. These joy bags go uh, all over the world and um, uh, they're such a blessing. There's some back there already in a box, uh, but this gives you all the information uh, that you need uh, for, um, uh, for that. And then there is actually on Direct Line Ministries website, which is on the back, there's actually a, um, a video that you can watch and um, it gives you a lot of information on how to, how to do a joy bag and, and uh, what to put in it. And, uh, but inside this pamphlet, there's, there's, uh, there's little uh, babies, girls, boys, the whole nine yards, Tells you what to put in there. Um, and uh, B, if you're not familiar with this, I really recommend you watch the video because you have to be very, very specific. Uh, because when they send these overseas, uh, um, one one little one little thing can can hold up the entire container. And so they're very, very specific when it comes to what can go in there and what can't go in there and how much of it can go in there. And sometimes you look at these things and you think. Okay, well, it says six unsharpened pencils, but six unsharpened pencils, we, I can do 12. No, no, you can't. You have to do six, okay? So whatever it says on here uh, is what you have to do uh, to do that. And um, many of you are already familiar with that, but some of, may be new to you. Uh, but um, be sure uh, to grab a, um, a flyer uh, for that and then also... Um, watch that video if you're not familiar uh, with it. Ephesians chapter number six this morning. We talked about we we talked about last week. We talked about out of Ephesians chapter number six. We talked about the enemy, and as we talked about the enemy, we're talking about uh, what um, what we do um, when we're spirit filled when we're led. Uh, by the Spirit uh, in us uh, and through us, uh, what do we do? And we've talked about um, uh, standing and uh, standing against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so when you're spirit-filled, spirit-led, of course, We've said this with every sermon that we've preached on this subject. Uh, before you're spirit-filled, you need to be spirit-born. If you've not been born of the Spirit, you need to be saved. You need to trust Christ as your personal Savior. And so, it starts with that. It, starts, it doesn't start with being a good person. It doesn't start with being baptized. It doesn't start with being a member of a church. It starts with being born again, as John chapter 3 says in and uh, how are you born again? Well, Jesus Christ uh, uh, paid our sin debt. See, we're all sinners. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Scripture says. And so, uh, so we need a Savior. And um, man can't be that Savior. Abraham can't be that Savior. And, 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 and David can't be that Savior. And Peter can't be that Savior. And Paul can't be that Savior who do we need to be the Savior? We need to be a, a Savior that is perfect. Uh, 
that is spotless, that is without blemish. There's only one that has come, and that is Jesus Christ. He came and lived a sinless and perfect life, and then He shed His, cro- shed his blood on the cross of Calvary and paid our sin debt. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so um, we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, not only because He died on the cross and was buried, but because He rose again the third day. And the Bible says He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. And so you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, and He saves you. The church can't save you. Baptismal waters can't save you. Good works can't save you. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can save you because the Bible says neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says there is one mediator between between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. John 14 and 6, after Thomas asked a question, how can we know the way? Jesus made this statement, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the one and only way. He is the way to everlasting life. He is the way to being being born again. So when you're born again and you're saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. So we don't have time this morning to go into the whole theological aspect of it, but in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person, they would do a work, and then the Holy Spirit could leave that person and come upon a person again. In the New Testament, when we get saved and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on us, the Holy Spirit comes in us. You see the difference? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You're not your own, you're... You're bought with a price, right? And so, so Jesus Christ bought you, not with money, not with gold, not with silver, but He bought you with His own blood. And so we are saved to know Christ is our Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When I got saved, and if you're saved to know Christ is your Savior, when you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit. I'm not waiting one day down the line as I mature or as I learn or as I read my Bible or as I whatever, I'm not, I'm not expecting to get more of the Spirit as I go down the line. Listen, when I got saved, I got all of the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. Here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, Ephesians 5.18, but be filled with the Spirit. Does the Spirit have all of you? See, we have what's called free will. We have what's called liberty. And we can decide to follow Christ. As born-again children of God, we can decide to do what's right. We can decide to do what's holy. We can decide to follow the Word of God and follow Christ in our lives. But we also have the choice to not do those things. We also have the choice to go down the wrong road, 
to go in the wrong direction, to follow after unholy things and ungodly things and worldly things. It's the difference, right? You see the difference in the Word of God when it comes to the, the, uh, uh, the things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. Who are you going to feed? How are you going to walk? If you walk after the things of the flesh, you're going to be bitter, and you're going to be angry, and you're going to be jealous, and you're going to, be, you're going to covet, and you're going to do all these things that the flesh wants. The flesh says, feed me. The flesh says, I'm not happy that you were blessed and I'm not. The flesh doesn't want to rejoice with those that do rejoice. The flesh wants to say, why does he get blessed and I don't? Why did she get that and I didn't? The flesh throws temper tantrums. Have you ever seen a child throw a temper tantrum? You ever see him do it in a store? Woo, son, that is something to behold. I mean, they'll go along and, and throw themselves on the ground, kicking and screaming and and the, my favorite, I mean my absolute favorite, uh, is the mama that says, well, go ahead, you're not bothering me none. Ma'am, you're in public? That kid is kicking stuff off the shelf and throwing things and, and having a conniption fit. And we look at him and think, man, that child shouldn't be doing that. That child needs discipline. And some of y'all, listen, some of y'all are like me and say, just give me a week. I'll take that kid off your hands for a week, and he'll come back a new child, I promise you. Because we know why? Because we look at that behavior and we say to ourselves, that's not right behavior. That child needs to be trained. That child needs to be trained in the ways of the Word of God, in the ways of the Bible. Needs to be disciplined, right? But here's the funny thing. Adults do it all the time. We don't say nothing. I mean, we might not cause a big scene, although I promise you I've been in uh, the grocery store or been in Walmart where they do make a scene, and they're throwing a fit, and I guess it's okay because they're grown adults. But I'm here to tell you, the flesh wants what, what is selfish. The flesh wants and is jealous. The flesh wants and when it doesn't get it, it gets bitter. The flesh doesn't want to forgive. The flesh wants to live. Feed me, feed me, feed me. So you can live in the flesh or you can live in the Spirit. And, 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 you, and you can send forth love and, and forgiveness and, and kindness and be a burden bearer. And Do you see the difference? Can I, can I tell you, there's a big difference? And can I tell you what Paul said? It's a battle. It's the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're what? They're contrary. They don't, they, they, they don't unite together. They're not complementary. They are contrary to one another. And if you feed the flesh... The flesh is going to grow. You feed the Spirit, the Spirit's going to grow. Now, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to grow. I'm not, you, know what I'm, but I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about? You as a person, you as a human being, will begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's where we need to live. And we need to be filled. Listen, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. If you don't have that marked in your Bible, you need to mark that in your Bible. 
Uh, it, it's where, I just quoted a minute ago, be not drunk with wine or in success, uh, but, be, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you what that literally means. If you literally look that up, in its original language, in its Greek language, it literally means this. Be ye being filled. Literally, that's what it means. This is not a one-time action. Get this. Saved, know Christ is my Savior, receive the Holy Spirit of God, one-time action. I don't have to get saved again. If I truly got born again, if I truly received Jesus Christ as my Savior for the forgiveness of my sins, I am saved for eternity. Forever. I might mess up. I might trip up. I might do something I shouldn't do. But aren't you glad that you don't have to get saved every time you mess up? You might not, listen to me, you might not think that you're a bad person. But I'm here to tell you the scripture says, by nature we are evil people. By nature the heart is above all things desperately wicked. That's what the scripture says. And you might not say things, but you think it. And guess what your thoughts are? Spoken words to God. Now, aren't you glad you can't read my mind? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you can't read my mind. And I, by the way, I don't want to read your mind. Can you imagine up here? Can you imagine as a pastor up here and he looks around reading everybody's mind thinking to himself, man, what in the world are they? I mean, they're thinking about what they're going to eat for lunch and they're thinking about if they left the stove on or thinking about their kids or thinking about this or thinking about that they're, and they're going this way and that way and this person is about to go to sleep and this person... Can you imagine if you could read everybody's mind? You know how distracting that would be? But let me tell you something. God can. He knows what you're thinking. By the way, he knows if you're a fake or not. Well, I'm telling you, there are so many people that put on a good air and they put on a good show. I mean, they look the part, they talk the part. I mean, everything's great. You look at them and you think to yourself, man, they got their stuff together. You look at a couple, right? And maybe you're having a little bit of struggles in your marriage. Maybe you're having a little bit of struggles with your kids. And you look at, the, you look at this couple and you think to yourself, Man, these two, God, they're a perfect couple. Oh my goodness, they have perfect kids. It's all lies. I'm telling you, it's all lies. We all have struggles. We all have problems. The only time our kid, listen to me, the only times our kids are perfect is when the grandparents have the kids. And they send them home, and oh, these this wonderful. And you think to yourself, no, wait a minute, no, 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 wait a minute, man. Do you remember? A lot of you have grown kids. Some of you that have small kids. If I could have a blinking leg up here, I'd say, warning, warning, warning. Because when the kids were small, you think to yourself, it's going to get easier when they get older. When they become teenagers, it's going to get easier. Once they become adults, man, it's. I'm telling you right now. I don't want to discourage anybody in here. You already have kids, but I'm just telling you, it just gets harder. I mean, it just keeps getting harder and harder and harder unless you don't care. Now, if you don't care, I mean, that's, 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 that's another thing. But if you care, man, it's, 
It's difficult. Nobody has a perfect life. The gra- I say this all the time. The grass may be greener on the other side, but one of two things. Either one, it's sitting on a septic tank, or two, their water bill's higher. Sometimes I look around, and, and I look at some of the neighbors in our neighborhood, and I look at their yard, and it's all lush and green and beautiful, and I mean, it looks great. They got these sprinkler systems that come on like 17 times a day. I'm thinking to myself, I can't even, I know what my water bill is. I can't even imagine what their water bill is. I mean, it, it looks great. And then when summer's over, it's brown like everybody else's, you know, so. But when you look at somebody else, you may think that they might have it better, but I promise you, they have struggled. You know, here we say this all the time. Let me tell you, did, did, you, see the, did you see the lottery? It was, like, it was just like over a, a billion. Was it a billion dollars with a B? If I could just win. Then our thought process, man, you'd have cousins coming out of the woodwork. Friends that you didn't even know you had. I mean, you talk about having problems, you just think you got problems. So when you look around, we need to understand something. When we look around, we choose, we decide how we live our lives. That's your choice. And as a born-again Christian, let me tell you something. You need to be filled with the Spirit because in your flesh, you can't live the life God wants you to live. You're going to live the life you want to live. You're going to live the life the world wants you to live. The only way to live the life that God wants you to live is to be filled with the Spirit. So we talked about our enemy. He's deceptive, deterring, distracting, and he's destructive. We talked about that last week, and we got to know our enemy, who he is. Our enemy isn't the person across the pew. Our enemy isn't the church down the road. Our enemy isn't a family member. Our enemy isn't a church member. Our enemy is Satan. He's the enemy. He is the roaring lion, Peter said, walking about seeking whom he may devour. And we've got to know who our enemy is. But if we're going to stand... Stand, stand, withstand. That's what the Bible says. Stand. The, listen to me. The Bible doesn't say when you see Satan, turn tail and run. That's not what the Bible says. But the Bible also doesn't say when you see the devil, put up your dukes and get ready. You know what the Bible does say? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. Let me tell you, I had an attitude when I was a kid. I was a runt, like the run of the litter. I mean, I did not hit my growth spurt until I was like a senior in high school. I, my nickname in school was Shorty. I was, just, I was a little dignity. But you know, it's like, those, it's, like the, it's like the little dog syndrome. You know, you, I mean, you, you see a chihuahua and you're like, shut up. What are you, you going to do? I'll throw you across the yard. I mean, you can't do nothing to me. You know, they, they had these attitudes. Well, I had this attitude. Let me tell you one of the reasons I had an attitude. Not because of me. I had an attitude because I had this stepbrother who was like, in like third grade, he was like 6'9". I mean, I mean, he was like, his shoe, ever since he was a little kid, my stepmom had to order his shoes uh, uh, just, before, just before he passed uh, he wore a size 16 shoe. I mean, great big dude. I mean, great big dude. Went to the same school. 
Let me tell you something. Everybody knew he was my brother. You leave off step when he's your protector. He's my brother. And we walk around, and man, anybody even looked at me wrong. Pete was always looking to fight somebody. I mean, always looking to fight somebody. And he was always twice as big as everybody else. Well, man, you talk about cocky. What? What you going to What you going to do? And Pete comes up, yeah. I mean, it, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, it absolutely makes a difference when you have somebody that can be there for you. Yeah, it makes a difference when you can have somebody that walks with you and talks with you along life's narrow way. And we need, when we're standing against the devil, when we're standing against this world, when we're standing against wickedness in high places, what do we need? We need equipment. Not only do we see the enemy, but we see the equipment. We see what God gives us. Have you ever tried to do a job with the wrong tools? It's frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. You ever tried to, you ever tried to unscrew a, um, a, a screw that's Phillips head, but all you have is a flathead? You're trying to get the corner of it, or you have, just have your knife, and you're trying to, trying to get, you don't have the right tools to do it. It can be done. But it's really difficult. And I'm telling you, if we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil and we're going to succeed, then we need to stand with the right equipment. We need to be fully furnished when we stand against the devil because the, the Bible tells us and God tells us that he gives us everything we need to win. You want, listen, you're not going to win your own power. I... I I go. I'm telling you. I go up to the biggest, baddest dude in school, and I tell him what for, with Pete's head about right here in back of me, because he knew. I mean, nobody messed with him. He was nuts. He was crazy. But I had him to back me. If I went up talking like that and turned around, and he was gone. I'd go and wait for him to come back. Why? Because it makes a difference, right? It makes a difference when you have somebody there. It makes a difference when we stand against the wiles of the devil. It makes God makes the difference. Not you. Not me. We're weak. We can't do it in our flesh. Uh, there's, there's dwell, Paul, Paul said, dwells no good thing. There's nothing good. There's nothing strong in us. It's God in us that makes a difference. If God be for you, who can be against you? So look at this. He says in verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Here's the equipment. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication 
for all saints. So what do we need? We need God's equipment in our life if we're going to be successful. I'm talking about successful spiritually. There's a lot of people that are successful according to the world. There's a lot of people that are successful according to the world, and they're miserable. They're absolutely miserable. They have everything this world could possibly provide them. I mean, they've got, uh, they've got nice homes, and they've got nice cars, and they've got nice boats, and they've got, I mean, all these things that are just super, super nice. This guy was wearing this very, very fancy, fancy watch. Super nice watch. Read about this guy. Super, super nice watch. Beautiful watch. Somebody says, oh, that's a, that's a beautiful watch. How much is that? You know, some watches can be five, ten, fifteen, even $50,000. One million dollar watch. Can you imagine wearing that thing around? I mean, are you kidding me? I'd have that thing at Fort Knox. I mean, there's no way I'd be wearing that thing around. Pay a million dollars for a watch? You can have everything this world could possibly provide and be a miserable person. Absolutely miserable. Have you ever watched sports people or Hollywood people and they were millionaires and then all of a sudden they're broke? Bankrupt? There's some of them that have been millionaires broke, millionaires, and broke again. I mean, I'm telling you something. The world will take it away from you as fast as it gave it to you. Whether that's fame or power or money, material things, whatever it might be, I'm telling you, you can lose it just as fast as you gain it. But joy, peace, forgiveness, those are things God gives us. Those are things that we can have whether we have all the money in the world or, we're, or we don't have two nickels to rub together. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't it an amazing thing that we can have, that you can have joy when nothing's going right in your life? Now listen, worldly and logically, that doesn't make sense. Because the world says this, if something bad happens in your life, you're supposed to be miserable. And you're supposed to be miserable for a long time. I mean, if something goes wrong in your life, then everything's supposed to fall apart. And when you don't, they look at you like something's wrong with you. What, do you don't care? What does it mean? No, no, listen. We can have the joy of the Lord in our life. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We can have the peace of God. The Philippians says, passeth all understanding. We can have these things. Why? Because God is the one that gives them to us. And the only way that you can lose your joy is if you give it away. The only way you can lose your peace is if you give it away. Because God gives us those things, and we have these things for our everyday life and the things that we face in life, and we have got the equipment. We have got what's needed to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because God has given it to us. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for the battle. I remember doing um, uh, boarding ops in the Red Sea when I was in the Navy. And we'd take a small boat and, uh, and we'd take it over to uh, a, a ship that we had stopped and we would board that ship and we would check for guns and for drugs and for anything illegal 
uh, on those ships. We did that right there in the Red Sea. Six months. Home, home over there, well, six months, Hergata, Egypt is where we, where we lived and, um, and came out and did these boarding ops. Well, I tell you, any time that we went over, everybody that went over on that small boat was equipped. They were equipped with a 45, or they were equipped with a 12-gauge, or they were equipped with an M16 or M14. They were, they were ready in case they had weapons. You didn't just send them over there flippantly. You didn't just send them over there and say, good luck, and pat them on the head. You sent them over there equipped to, to take care of any situation that might arise. And there are situations that arise that you better be ready for. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I have a tendency to be a pessimist. Anybody else in here tend to be a Nobody that will admit it, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, you're all optimists. Yeah, I believe that. But sometimes I have a tendency to see the glass half empty. I just do. And, 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 and Wendy calls it a pessimist. I call it a realist. I mean, it's, right, it's just reality. If everything's going good, this is me. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I mean, I, I, I have nobody come up to me. I have nobody complain. I'm just waiting for it to happen. Because it's bound to happen. Well, that's just pessimistic. No, that's just reality. That's just what it's going to be. So you know, what I, you know what I am most of the time? Most of the time when I go into a meeting, I try to think about every single scenario. And, it, and if it goes great and there's no problems, I go out praising the Lord. Something falls apart, I try to be as ready as I possibly can for that meeting, for that situation, for that circumstance. Same with counseling. Sometimes I'll have people, sometimes I'll have, listen, I have people do this. I'll have, I'll have somebody call me, and if I'm at the hospital or I'm doing, I can't answer the phone, and they'll leave me a message, and this is what they'll leave me, sometimes they'll leave me a message like this. Hey, this is so-and-so, call me. So I'm thinking to myself, Okay, it would have been really nice to know what you want me to call you about so I could kind of be ready for this discussion because sometimes I've called and boom, they dropped a bomb on me, right? You've had this happen to you. I mean, you've had this happen in situations maybe at work or even in your, your family or your, uh, amongst your kids or whatever. You know what it's best to be? It's best to be ready. It's best to be prepared. It's best to be equipped Whatever situation that you might be going in, and if you're going up against the devil, you better be prepared. Let me give it to you real quick uh, when it comes to this equipment. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. What is this? This is the truth that you're a Christian, that you're a born-again child of God. Do you know, 1 John 5 says, that we can know that we know that we know that we have eternal life. Listen, I don't go to bed at night, wondering if I'm saved. I don't wake up the next morning hoping I'm still saved. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I did what God told me to do from His Word, so I know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I am born again. There's a lot of things in life to worry about now. I'm telling you, we shouldn't be worrying. I know that. 85% of things we worry about, we can do nothing about. I get it. But, there's a lot of things in life to worry about. I'm not worrying about my salvation. God has saved me. And if God is saved, and if you don't know that for sure, get it settled. 
Know it for sure. Don't cross your fingers and cross your toes and carry a lucky rabbit's foot. Know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you're born again. That's, that's part of the equipment that we can have, that we have that assurance that God is with us. Emmanuel, the Bible says, God is with us. The belt of truth, truth that you're a Christian. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. This is right living. This is right living. This is holiness. Do you know that God expects you to live right and righteous and holy? These excuses we come up with are just self-excuses why we live the way we do. Well, God understands. What, who, who are you to say what God understands and God doesn't understand? You know what we know that God understands? It's from His Word. And when God says to live holy, then live holy. When God says make right decisions, then make right decisions. When God says forgive, forgive. When God says be kind, be kind. And when you're not, you're out of the will of God. It's that easy. We just make it hard. We just make it difficult. People just make it difficult. Well, preacher, that's good for you, but it's not good for me. Sure. I want somebody. I've had so many people say that. I want somebody to show me in the Word of God where you're the exception. Or I'm the exception, or anybody's the exception. If God says, listen to me, if God says for me to be kind, He says for you to be kind too. Well, I wasn't kind because I had a bad day. Well, your bad day has nothing to do with the person that you're being unkind to. Why in the world are you being ugly to somebody that has nothing to do with you being, you're being having a bad day? By the way, we've all been there. We've all been there, haven't we? I mean, we're having a bad day and, and nothing seems to be going right. And so the next person we see, man, we just chew them up one side and down the other. That waitress, that postal worker, that what? By the way, you do it to them. <laughs> You're a brave person, I promise you. But I mean, you know, we, I mean, we're just, we have a tendency to be unkind because, and we give an excuse. There's no excuse. Throw away your excuses and be what God has called you to be, the breastplate of righteousness, right living, living holy. You say that you're in the Spirit, then you should also walk in the Spirit. Stop the excuses. Breastplate of righteousness, that's right living and holiness. And feet shod. You know what feet shod is? It's being a witness. Telling others about Christ. Are you excited about being a Christian? Some people could never convince me that they're excited about being a Christian. Never. We went, to, we went uh, yesterday, me, Kyle, and Emma, we went to um, Topgolf. Anybody ever do Topgolf? I thought that would be the stupidest thing that you could possibly do. Man, that thing is a blast. And if you would watch me hit a golf ball, you would have the best time of your life. But we went over there. We, had, we, we played for just a little. It was too hot, so we only played for a little while. And then we went to Rita's. Anybody have a Rita's? Listen to me. You ain't saved if you don't like Rita's. It's an Italian ice that is outside of this world. It is so great. Well, we go and we get in line and we get this to find out where the Rita's is and, 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 and get in line. And, and this girl, young girl, she got one job. Scoop Rita's. Scoop Italian ice and put it in a cup. 
sits. All she's got to do, right? She's got a line like 15 deep. So she what do you want? Well, I want an Italian ice. That's why I'm at Rita's. You know, what do you mean what I want? This is the kind I want. This is what she <coughs> pushes it. I said, man, this poor girl is miserable. I mean, absolutely. I don't know what kind of day she was having. I don't know what kind of week or month or year or life she was having. But man, she was miserable. But I'm here to tell you, as an unsaved person, they have an excuse. I don't know if she was saved or lost. I'm just telling you, as a saved person, you're without excuse. Being miserable and being bitter and being angry, you need to get by it. Why? Because when we go out into the world and we go out into the, uh, uh, to the gas stations and the grocery stores and in our communities and in our neighborhoods, we're supposed to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be saying, hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Do you remember when you got saved? How many people were saved as an adult? Some of us. A lot of people, listen to me, a lot of people are saved as children. And, and praise the Lord for that, right? It's a lot easier to reach a child. It gets increasingly harder to reach an adult because they're more set in their ways, right? And so when we, when I got saved as an adult, I got saved as an adult. And so I was on the ship, and after I got saved, I, I had a year left in the Navy. And I'm here to tell you, do you remember, for you that are adults, do you remember when you got saved? For me, it's been a while ago. For some of you, it's probably been a long time ago. Do you remember when you got saved? I remember getting up. Remember that burden being released? I remember every single person I ran into. And let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what God did for me. I could have charged hell with a squirt gun. I was so excited. Didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter. And sometimes, isn't that interesting? Sometimes it has a tendency to cool off. Sometimes it has a tendency to be, well, you're kind of used to it. I've told you this story before. We used to go to St. Augustine when I was at Regency as a, uh, as a, uh, a youth pastor there. We'd go down there every year. And if you've ever been to St. Augustine, there's an entire section of St. Augustine. There's no cars allowed. So it's all shopping and all walking. There's barriers. You can't drive down there. It's, and we'd go down there every single year. Every year, Brother Ralph would take a whole group down there, teen group, everybody, and we all go down there. And we go down there and we start witnessing to people. I mean, we'd walk around the stores and we'd, we'd hand out tracts and we'd witness to people. I remember this one time, me and Kyle, and Kyle was just a little squirt at the time, and uh, me and Kyle were partners and, and uh, we were waiting for someone to come out of the store. Well, out comes this guy. <clears throat> Think about Harley Davidson biker. Leather jacket, tattoos, headband on his head. Great big guy. Boot, you know, leather boots, clanking. I mean, I could see in my mind, and you know how much I forget things. In my mind's eye, I can see this guy. I could see this guy like judgmentally, I can see this guy. Like run, because he's gonna kill us. That's that's pick get in your head. So he comes out of the store. I don't even know if he was by himself. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing walking around St. Augustine, right? You know, it's kind of a girly thing. But anyways, he comes walking out of the store. And I thought to myself, yeah, he probably already knows Jesus. 
That's my spirituality at the time, right? I said, yeah, he probably already knows Christ. And so I kind of looked down like this. And when I looked back up, Kyle's darting across the little canal, the little way that's in, and going right towards him. Before I can say anything, Kyle is standing there with a track in his hand, literally. You take the tallest person in here, and I get on my knees. That's what it looked like. And Kyle went. And I'm running across going, oh, my goodness, he's going to kill him. Murder him, and then Wendy's going to murder me, and it's just going to be a mess, right? And so I'm thinking all these things, you know, not thinking spiritually. And, and run over there, and man, this, this, this one, he was one of the most kindest men. It's like a great big teddy bear. I mean, he reached down, and he grabbed it from Kyle, and he patted him on his head. And Kyle probably, Kyle was so small, he probably don't even remember. Pat him on his head and said, thank you. And I, and I come over and, you know, you know, like I was the spiritual one. Hey, yeah, hey, you know. <laughs> now that I know you're not going to murder us. <laughs> and got to talk to him, you know, got to talk to him about Christ, and I didn't win him to Christ. But the point is, sometimes, somewhere along the way, we get too busy. We get too judgmental. God has called us to be a witness. God has called us to share the gospel. And God has called us to be excited about it. Be excited about your church. Be excited about your Bible. Be excited about your God. And let other people know, hey, listen, this is something that's changed my life. Let me tell you about it. You get excited about your football team. Somebody talks about your football team, and man, you'll, I mean, you'll rip right into them. They start picking on your team, you'll pick on their team, and man, you talk and, and jab back and forth. And, but man, I'll tell you something, you're excited about sports. We're, we're excited about things that we care about. Why aren't we excited about Christ? Feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then the helmet. I've got to give you these last two real quick. The helmet, which is eternal security. What does the helmet do? The helmet protects the head. Our, our eternal security, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that we're born again, First John 5 uh, and verse 13, uh, knowing that we are uh, God's children. Helmet. Uh, uh, and then uh, the last one, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Don't go into battle without your equipment. Don't go into battle without your weapons. And I didn't even add this on here, but verse 18 is probably the verse, most important verse out of all of them. Isn't it? What does verse 18 talk about? Verse 18 talks about a prayer. What is prayer? It's communication with God, right? Here's my favorite definition of prayer. You know what prayer is? Getting God involved. Getting God involved. You know what? You need God involved in your life. You need God involved in your decision making. You need God involved in your marriage. You need God involved in raising your children. You need God involved in your church. You need get, Every area of our lives, we need God involved. So what do we need to do? We need to pray, pray, pray. If my people, which were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, watch what God can do. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. Uh, maybe you're here this morning. You're not saved. You don't know Christ uh, as your Savior. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? That Jesus Christ uh, died for your sins, was buried, uh, and rose again the third day so that you could have life uh, and that you could have it more abundantly. 
Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? This morning, just slip your hand up and write back down, and I pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure I'm saved, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Maybe you're saved and know Christ is your Savior. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to know that our sins are forgiven and that we're going to have a home in heaven one day. To know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But we're not there yet, folks. We're not there yet. We need to live holy. We need to be a witness. And we need, we, we, we need to do the things that God has called us to do. Living and walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed.